0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Twin Cities, it's time for Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. Now, here's your host.
1: And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, I've been looking forward to this one. Jordan Diorio is with us. Jordan is with JDP Consult. Jordan, welcome.
0: John. I'm so happy this is finally happening. How are you? <laughs> it,
1: it's taken us a while, and uh, uh, we've we've teased each other about trying to get this show going, and we're finally here, so let's make it happen. Let's tell everyone about you and how you're serving the market out there.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, my name is Jordan Diorio. I am a serial entrepreneur is so how I position myself. So I own a couple of companies, so... Uh, JDB Consult, as you just mentioned, is my consulting business that I've launched in the past few years during the pandemic, because why not start a business during a, a global pandemic? Sure. And the focus of that business is essentially that's focused on cleaning up operational and marketing messes, for lack of a better description. So any sort of like operational efficiencies, companies that need to go on and evaluate their marketing strategies, they can kind of hire me to come in and help clean up and, uh, deliver a quality, um, project for them. So Mm -hmm. that's one business. The other business I own, which was my first business that still exists is called mend jewelry. Mm -hmm. And that is a, uh, jewelry business that connects, uh, beautiful gemstones through simplistic design, um, to women. And that business turned five in February and then the third business I co-owned, I co-owned with a couple other women in Minneapolis is called the Founders Collaborative. Uh, it's me and a couple other women-owned uh, brands. It is, it, we did have a retail front where we would carry all women-owned products. And now we are moving to a studio in Northeast where we will carry and sell um, products made by women, not, not just in the Midwest, but just uh, nationally. So I am busy <laughs> to say the least.
1: Yeah. Wow. We're uh, three minutes into this interview and I'm already tired. Um so, uh, listening to all this. Wow. Uh, Jordan, uh, great work. Uh, let's dig into you for a second. And just where, where does this entrepreneurial urge that you have come from?
0: great question so I'm actually from Illinois originally so I come from a big Sicilian family I'm one of seven so I feel like right there you're taught survival instincts of (laughs) (laughs) get to dinner on time make sure there's enough food for you you know get mom and dad's attention Uh Um, so I've grown up in a very uh, like fun chaotic uh, environment in the best way possible and Um, I feel like entrepreneurship and really, uh, smart, strong women are just in my family. Um, and also my dad's been, you know, has run a real estate business. So I've kind of, I've grown up around it. Um, and it's, it just seems like one of those things you're born with for like, you grow up around this environment of survival and there's an element of creativity. Um, my first, I say my first, first business is when I was 16 and I, wanted to create bags that I called April fool's bags where I would like print art and I would iron them onto canvas bags. So I was like making stuff since I was 16 and trying to, you know, create and produce products. So it's probably a mix of like, it's always been in my DNA. It's been in the environment that I've grown up with. And there's also the piece of just the creativity and the excitement of, um, being an entrepreneur. So it's a blend of a lot of things, but I do think entrepreneurs are born with this like DNA to just do and create and see what they can get out there.
1: Well, you consult with entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. uh, business owners. You sound like you're heavily in the camp that entrepreneurs are born. I mean, can you learn to be an entrepreneur or what's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Okay.
0: Absolutely. I do think that there's, it's, it's like everything in every field, like there's different variants of entrepreneurs, you know, just like there's different variants of different people in different professions. And I think I don't necessarily think that being a business owner is easier than it used to be, but I think there's more resources. I mean, you've seen, I'm a millennial, and so we've seen this boom of e-commerce businesses because the the way people shop and the way they get products is is so different that, and with social media, like there's so many more resources available where people can take the leap. So you can absolutely learn the skill, but I think the the constant drive to want more and create and create, I think some people just have it in their blood. And I've met a lot of them mm-hmm. because we can't do anything except for work for ourselves and keep creating businesses, which is really fun and also seems um, nuts to people that don't underst- understand it. <laughs> people think I'm probably nuts for having multiple businesses, but I love it.
1: Well, let's talk two aspects to this here in terms of, uh, I guess, the entrepreneurial uh, bent that you have. I mean, you mentioned being a millennial. You also Mm -hmm. mentioned starting in a pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. Address both of those. I mean, The opportunities that existed when we were right in the teeth of the pandemic, uh, both the good and the bad of that, and then talk about being a millennial entrepreneur, the advantages that gives you. Uh, maybe whatever disadvantages you see in that.
0: For sure. I think the pandemic, it has been very challenging. There's been a lot of challenges that have come with it, but I also think there's been a reckoning with, as we've seen with the workforce, with the great resignation, people have changed their priorities about what they care about. And people have been looking inward on what is the work that I'm doing Does it have purpose? Is it fulfilling the lifestyle that I want? And I think we've seen a surge in businesses, especially women owned businesses, because of that reason. Where again, it's not easier, there's just more resources where people can start businesses where the risk isn't as high as it used to be. I mean, the cost of starting an online business isn't as expensive as it used to be 10 years ago when. It wasn't predominantly online. I mean, when I started my jewelry business in 2017, I built my site. I put my I put like fifteen hundred dollars into my own business, which was like my savings because mm-hmm. I was like out of college and made no money. Mm. But um, I think people starting businesses or just being entrepreneurial during a really challenging couple of years is a response to people having a total shift on what they care about and people want to have meaning in the work that they do. Like we're not living to work. It's, it's the other way around. And if we can create opportunities for ourselves, even if it is a side business that brings us in more money or it fulfills our, you know, passion of like creating art or whatever it is, the product we're making. um, I'm not surprised that people have either started or stopped their businesses during this time because it's, it has to be an alignment of, of their purpose and ultimately to make money as well. I mean, that's also part of business. We don't work for free. Um, and the second part of being a millennial business owner, I think the, the perks are like, I, I'm in a world again, where like, there's so many resources and so many new ways and channels to market and build your business. And like the networking opportunities are amazing because you don't have to just live in a city and that's your only network. Now I have you know connections with people all over the world, and I feel very fortunate in that. I think a disadvantage of uh, being a millennial is that we're challenging a lot of old ideals. I even see it with Gen Z as business owners, where they care about the social impact that they're making, and they're demanding that there is more equity and conversations happening. So there's challenges because we just think differently, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing um i also think to as a millennial like we've been through so much that like we probably have a little bit of an anxiety that we're like not never performing enough or never doing enough there's probably a whole study done on our brains as millennials about being perfectionists because <laughs> we grew up in During 9-11, the Great Recession, like we've been, we've grown up in really scary economic times, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I think that's allowed us to have a, I believe I have a greater risk for appetite because even if I wasn't, I wasn't directly impacted by those things, I grew up in that time. So I also knew what it was like as a kid to live through these really crazy economic times and be able to have a bigger risk for appetite. An appetite for risk, you know
1: what I mean. Once. Yeah, they just we, coming in backwards. We know what you mean, but yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But yeah,
0: that's it's. I feel like people would have more challenges or cons to say about millennials if they're not a millennial. So if you uh, have any thoughts <laughs> about millennials, well, I would love to hear them.
1: Well, I mean, I'm delighted. I love millennials uh, um, because, uh, again, there's. Different generations bring different things to the table, right? And so, um, you're losing out. You being anybody, um, but uh, boomers or whoever, you're losing out if you're not taking advantage of learning uh, from any generation. And um, um, but what I think is interesting about your answer is that how the pan some of the aspects of the pandemic in terms of business creation and what you noted about being a millennial how that converges i mean mm-hmm. a lot of those things were similar i mean in terms of you talked about the different tools you have the ability to network anywhere and the willingness mm-hmm. to do that um you know because you're you've got that willingness and drive to do that i mean those things uh seem to intersect for you
0: for sure and i also think too um Yeah, definitely like the trends that you see from like the habits of millennials and why we see such a boom in millennial owned businesses is that reason. I also think we are a generation that works so hard to the point of like burnout. Again, there's that like piece of like, you know, work, work, work. It's never enough, never enough. And I've even seen with the Gen Z. Uh, generation like they have boundaries and they have expectations of what they want in their life and I love that and I admire it and I as much as we tease the Gen Z of little sisters that are Gen Zers like I've met some really remarkable sharp innovative um, generate like younger generations where I'm like this is so exciting and so different and older generations that are in my network because they're giving me the foundation of business Mm -hmm. that like I just don't have it's the experience that I don't have and they're bringing in a level of experience that can teach me to be just a better leader like ultimately you want to have in your network people that aren't that all don't look like you and that are the same age you want people that are smarter than you are of a different experienced generation. They don't even need to be entrepreneurs because that's going to shape you into being a good leader, which is what you hope as a business owner is that you're paving the way and becoming and changing whatever the market is that you're, you're focused on.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Uh, folks, Jordan Diorio is with us and Jordan is with JDP consult. So, Jordan, do you, in, in JDP, I want to get into JDP consult and talk a little bit about what you do there in that, in that, uh, consulting work that you do, do you work? We've been talking a lot about millennials and I want to make sure people understand who you work with. I mean, do you work with exclusively with millennials or, or other business owners across the spectrum?
0: So everybody. No okay. One is good. Off it's I, about the problems you're solving. I
1: assume the that. I, I assume that. I want to clear that up because we we dove into the millennial bucket <laughs> there, and I want to make sure everybody <laughs> totally. understands. Yeah. Is, I would yes, make sure. I'm not I,
0: an expert.
1: Yes, yeah, in yeah. millennials, by okay. any means. Awesome. It's like
0: a. Uh, it's a. Uh, I am, I'm an old soul at heart. I truly believe that like internally I was born a 65 year old woman, just like trapped in a millennial body, (laughs) like very old soul. But again, that's probably growing up in a big family, Uh having just so many wild and interesting people around me. But yeah, I think with my consulting business, it's, um, can I solve your, your problem? And it doesn't matter the industry you're in um, where you're located, quite frankly, cause I can work remotely. It's, I always assess and I'm always very transparent about, can I solve whether it's the operational marketing or even just business, larger business problem that you're trying to solve. Um, because those things take time, those things take re- resources and, um, yeah. And I, and I started my consulting business really ramping it up. During the pandemic, of Mm -hmm. course, because why not? And I had worked in um, software for a year and a half prior to committing to my consulting business full time, which was really amazing experience. You hear about like working for big tech companies and I did it and um, I was a part of their corporate communications team, learned a lot about like working for a public company and, you know, helping with acquisitions and what does it mean to an ever changing tech space and all that stuff. It was really, really good experience. Talk about working with a breadth of different people from all different um, professions, experiences, really, really smart people. Um, but yeah, there just comes a point where I was like, I want to be my own boss. I want flexibility and, mm-hmm. and I want to see the change that's, that's happening. Um, and I decided to truly commit full time to my consulting business last last year. Okay. But it's been around for a couple of years.
1: Right. So what, what are the problems that you specifically solve?
0: Oh, what a great question. So I would say it's, it's in the buckets of marketing and operations. So like an operational problem would be like, um, my, why is my team? Why is the culture at my company really challenging? Why is my team struggling to get their work done? Why are we spending so much money on tools, and why are the tools uh, telling us what to do and not the other way around? And um, why do we feel like there's a culture of um, what does it call when things move move slow? Bureaucracy is that what bureaucracy is? Is that when things? Well, that's things certainly
1: slow? what bureaucracy is known for, among <laughs> other things. But anyway. <laughs>
0: Whatever the term, if it's bureaucracy, great, if not, right. but their inefficiencies are what kill the workspace. Mm-hmm. And like in a culture where like it is almost fetishized productivity, like we, I believe there's a way you can be productive that, and when you create productivity in a workspace, it creates a culture of balance of value. And right now, like companies are losing talent, like crazy. Mm-hmm. And what we talked about earlier. The pandemic has made people realize, why am I giving myself to a company that has X, Y, and Z, whether it's pay, whether it's balance, or whether it's there are things that are stopping them from doing their job. And it's truly Mm -hmm. as simple as operational um, blockers, which I am surprised how often this problem comes up because different phases of businesses need different phases of operations. So when you're a startup, it's like, fast and messy, and you can move things and you're wearing multiple hats. But as you continue to scale as a business, like how you operate as a business is going to totally evolve as you continue to grow. So I'll come in and I essentially will go and evaluate what's the operational efficiency of your business. But I think the key piece is I talk to the employees because without people in your company, you don't have a company. And in order to create culture, you have to listen to what your employees and team team members are saying about how the company is operating. And I'm coming in as a third party. So like I'm Switzerland in this scenario <laughs> where I'm your neutral party and my only job is to make this a better workplace and that you can continue to run efficiently and maintain the talent um, that you need to be successful. That's my only job. And it's not an easy job because it's messy. I basically feel like I come in with a mop And I'm just like cleaning up on aisle five because it's expensive to do this for to have a full time person come in and do this. And it takes time and no one wants to deal with the monotony of systems, how they're working, why they're working, and also taking the time to listen to people. It's just time. Again, a commodity people don't feel like they have because they want to feel like they're being productive and delivering their work. So that's one problem. That's probably one of the biggest problems I solve is operational inefficiencies and especially in a remote world there has to be better ways for companies who are no longer in person. They have to be able to translate that digitally so that their teams can feel valued and deliver their work. Like ultimately people just want to do their job mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised how often things get in the way. So that's one problem, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> but I'm going to take a break because I realized that was a lot of things. Yeah. So it's like multiple problems in one, but operational inefficiencies is a big, big issue I solve for, and it's at different levels depending on the size of the company.
1: So, you mentioned something there that I thought was uh, very interesting that uh, as you grow, as you expand, as the company gets uh, more age, uh, mm-hmm. processes change. And I guess the, for lack of a better term, the sand in the gear changes, mm-hmm. the, the, the inefficiencies, the friction uh, changes as well. So how do you counsel your clients on dealing with that?
0: Oh my God, what a great question. Cause I feel like I've, I've gone through this before. I think it's, everything is in the approach. Whenever you have like a challenging, I'm saying quotes and challenging. Cause again, like what is considered a challenge is a so subjective, but in this scenario, it is challenging because there is like an emotional level to this because people like routine, mm-hmm. people like things that in their mind have worked for so long. But it's a conversation of these issues. Like this is a symptom, like the symptoms of culture, the symptoms of people leaving, the symptoms of quality of work is part of a larger cause. So you can continue to just hire people and try and fill roles when you have high turnover. But if you're not addressing the larger issue of operational inefficiency, like those symptoms are never going to go away. So it's a conversation of like, here's where the business was. Here's what worked for the business. Here's where we're at now. And in order to see where you're going in the future, like this is the cause of all these other issues that we think we're trying to solve with different initiatives. And there's obviously things with some of these symptoms that you can like put a bandaid on, but if you don't address that, like things have changed, Your business is going to suffer. And it's truly not to be grim, but it's just the thought of like evolution. Like you have to evolve, or your business parts of your business are going to die. Or, you know, the talent pool that you once had is not going to be what you thought it was because you're not adapting to what's happening to your business and ultimately what's happening in the world. Again, so many businesses that had uh, processes in offices that are hybrid or remote, those processes are probably not going to work anymore. Or if they do, they need to adapt to a digital workforce. And like that workforce isn't going anywhere. I think the remote work is here to stay. I'll probably never go to an office ever again, unless I'm paying for a co-working space. Mm-hmm. So it's approaching it in a way of like, we understand this is hard, but like the hard part is on me to help you figure out. Like, I'm not asking you to solve the problem. You've hired me to solve this and do it in a way where we're not just like telling people this is the new way to do the work. It's, hey, this is why we're doing it we've heard you and here's how we're adjusting our processes and making, like, ultimately we're trying to make people's jobs easier for them to focus on the work and less about how to do their job, if that makes sense. So it's, it's an emotional conversation, but it's ultimately, if you want to move forward and solve these problems that are gnawing at your business, you have to address the root cause. And in this scenario, it's operational inefficiencies and dedicating someone to like, clean up the the mess and have the tough conversations which I don't mind having mm-hmm. um but yeah it's really fun I mean I don't know if it sounds fun to you but it's very fun <laughs> because it's like a type a organizer project manager at heart like I know how amazing it is when you have a really operationally efficient company it is just it is amazing it's exciting and their their acceleration of growth is like putting the gas on the on the pedal Right, gas on the pedal. I'm not going with expressions. You'll find that, but you you get where I'm going with
1: that. I get where you're going. Um, uh, I get where you just go- can move faster. Right. No, I I I get where you're going. Um. So, beyond operations issues, what else do you mm-hmm. what else What other kind of work do you do there?
0: Marketing. So marketing is a big one. Marketing is so big. So like my background is in marketing. That's what I went to school for at the University of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I worked in the marketing world on the agency side for a while. Um, Similar framework to operational inefficiencies, but just tagged on from a marketing standpoint. So assessing whatever the metrics are companies are not hitting with their marketing initiatives. It's, it's bringing in a fresh set of four eyes. I have glasses on. Um, So the fresh set of four eyes, which is me to come in and evaluate what have you been doing? What is working? What's not working? How much money have you spent? Like sometimes I feel like we we're throwing so much money at things. We're not calculating, like we're not taking the time to understand. Is this good short-term long-term for the business? And I said she will go in, evaluate how their marketing efforts are working, and then help put together a plan that is clear, That has clear to find metrics for the team to execute on. And before we even get to that final strategy plan, it's like there needs to be a short series of tests.
1: Mm-hmm. Again,
0: in the digital marketing space, it's so, it's not easier, but there are faster ways and less expensive ways to test if your marketing's working, why is it working? Why is it not working to help then move towards a higher performing marketing strategy Mm long-term. And again, I think with marketing, I think it's one of those things where you can have a plan, but I think planning annually is, is almost shooting yourself in the foot where it's like planning quarterly and adjusting every quarter because there is, I just looked it up recently, people's attention span is eight seconds. We like have a shorter attention span than the goldfish now, which is really scary. And it's a competitive space and it's an ever-changing space. I have clients that are like, do I need to be on TikTok? And I'm like, oh no, this is a symptom of a bigger issue. Like of just thinking that a platform is going to solve their marketing problems. But sometimes it's like your brand messaging is not resonating with people or you're not even tracking things properly to even see if you're getting a return on it. So it's marketing as a whole, but it's really broken down in the channels uh, clients want to see a better result in. So it could be email. You know, What is our email strategy? Why is it working? Why is it not? I just uh, revamped someone's email marketing strategy this year and her um, her conversions have like completely shifted. It's been SMS text message marketing, which is like, huge. And I think is like the next wave of how people are communicating with their customers. It could be content and messaging. It could just be getting people to convert on your site. So marketing can feel very overwhelming, very fast. So Mm -hmm. I always start with what's working really well. Let's look at that. Why is it working well? And then really mastering one thing at a time and then testing the other channels before you really commit and invest. So again, it's a really messy and challenging thing because people are just trying to move the needle forward. They don't necessarily have the time to like evaluate and assess what's, what's working, especially depending on the size of companies. And if they don't have the resources to do it, I'm, I can again come in as your Switzerland, Swiss army knife, which right. actually kind of works in that scenario. Yeah. Switzerland, Swiss army knife, it works. I can come in with my experience and mm-hmm. help them evaluate. Cause again, We also really want to figure out what works for your business and stop doing what's not working. And then give your team the plan and the resources that they need to do their job. So marketing is the other bucket. And then the third bucket is more like business strategy. So that's more of if I have individual business owners who are at the CEO level, ownership level that need help transforming to become that CEO leader that they want to be. And building out a more strategic plan as a leader of a business. And those are people who are more in the startup phase. Um, and I try to at least once or twice a year, I'll donate that service for free to a nonprofit, to a business owner um, who is just starting her business. Because yeah. I want women to have more businesses. So there's three things I do. Yeah. Ups, marketing and then more like business strategy, which is more one-on-one Um, planning for business owners as they need it. Cause I've been there and I'm still in those shoes as I run my own businesses.
1: Sure. Um, So Jordan, as we wind down here, uh, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I would love it if you could share maybe a success story, uh, a, a story that illustrates the great work that you do.
0: Yes. And I, I want to tell this story for my jewelry business because I actually think it's super applicable. It's like a good nugget to take with you for you know current entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs. So when I started Mend in 2017, um, I did it because I couldn't afford my MBA, and I just started it on the side. And within my first year, I actually got sought out by venture capital. And again, I became essentially 0.01 percent of women that get venture capital. And it was just someone in my network, really amazing couple. They're still my business partners. So I was running MEND, my jewelry business full-time, quit my job. Like I had to figure out how to be a CEO and really scale my business. And um, something my business partners taught me and something I was doing before too was like the art of sales and the follow-up is like how you are successful as a business owner. Like everyone needs sales. You have to let go of that. Like sales is like, like ski, skeezy, gross thing, because it's not like, we are all in sales and I don't care what anybody says. Like everything we do is in sales mm-hmm. and it's not gross. If you believe in what you're doing and you the product you're selling is authentic to who you are. So with mend, how I got into Nordstrom, because Nordstrom carried me online for a year and a half. Um, I was at Nordstrom in Ridgedale. Shout out to that location. They have a phenomenal team. I was having lunch there with my business partners and they said, How do you get into Nordstrom? And I was like, I don't know. Let me go ask. So after lunch, I went down the escalator. Um, I had them page the manager and I like pretended I knew her. I was like, Can you call the manager? I need to talk to her about something. They called the manager. Um, Thankfully, I had like all my jewelry on and I had 30 seconds to convince her to let me do a pop-up in her store. I was Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm a local jewelry designer. Um, I'll do all the work. Please let me come in and just pop up for a few hours. I'll make it super easy. Like, please let me know. Mm -hmm. She was like, "Um, here's my card. Let me think about it. Every Friday for three weeks, I called her at the same time that I knew she was going to be in the store and I said, hey, Stephanie, I think she's retired now, but Stephanie's amazing. I said, hey, Stephanie, have you thought about having me pop up? She wasn't responding to email. She's in retail. She's not mm-hmm. looking at her email. Right. Called her every Friday for three weeks until so she was like, oh my God, fine. Come on April 4th, <laughs> April 7th, whenever it was. She was like, fine. Come in, bring your stuff. We'll figure it out. Show up. set a sales goal, totally smashed the sales goal. They were like, oh my God, this was really successful. Didn't hear anything. Corporate Nordstrom sends me an email and they say, "Hey, did you do a pop up?" And I was like, "Yes." Yeah. So I was like, "Do you want to partner with me and see if you want to carry me online? If I hit your sales goals, they brought me back in in November. I doubled what their sales goals were, and they were like, "Oh my god, can you do dropship?" And I was like, "Sure." Don't know what that is, but I'm going to do it for you. <laughs> and <laughs> within thirty you're, days, you're googling
1: dropship, huh? <laughs>
0: yep, hundred percent. Okay, hundred percent. I love And it. I um. 30 days later, I had launched on Nordstrom.com. I had a year and a half long partnership with them. I realized that like online massive retail partnerships um, are really expensive. I'm happy I did it. It gave me really good um, exposure. still have good relationships with the Nordstrom folks. Um, But like that, anytime people ask me like, how did you get into Nordstrom? And I was like, I literally just asked somebody and I called them until they said yes or no. Like until you get an answer, like, it is not off the table, and like I am relentless with the follow up, and and until you say no or until you give me an answer, like that is how you get stuff done, and mm-hmm. it's aggressive. And I think we're so worried about being annoying, and I'm like, I don't care. Like the opportunity is so much more important to me than someone thinking I'm pesky, and I'm not because ultimately I got in an orchestra, and I haven't seen anybody do it that way where they went through the back door, doing a pop up, and then getting the attention of the corporate offices. So I would say, follow up, follow up, follow up until you get an answer, put a notification on your calendar, say, I'm going to email you on Wednesday. If I don't hear from you, like it's just the art of being uh, really persistent that I feel like people fall off. And um, yeah, that would be a success story of how I got into Nordstrom was just being very, very persistent. And also um, I had a really amazing team at Nordstrom that supported my brand as well. So yeah, follow up don't be afraid just get an answer and then at least you can decide if you want to move forward or not so that's my success story very fun a lot of work the,
1: um, the relentless yeah. the persistent jordan Diorio, queen of the follow-up uh, i love it yes. uh what a great story um uh jordan this has been great uh i could keep going for a while but we got to let you go and uh yes. work work with the clients you work with so um before we let you go, though, uh, give us the, some directions on how folks can get in touch with you that would like to do that.
0: Yes. So I am on LinkedIn. So uh, my first and last name, which when we share this out, you'll see on there. So connect with me on LinkedIn. My consulting site is called jdpconsult.co, which I know that we'll, we'll share links. Um, for my jewelry business, it's mendjewelry.com. Same thing with the Instagram. That's where you can find me. Um, and same thing with the founders collaborative it's at founders.co on Instagram. Um, but yeah, John, thanks so much for amplifying the voices of business owners. This is really, really valuable to us. And I'm so happy that we finally got time to sit down virtually. And I just, I very much appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Now I know why it took so long to get with you. You're, you're busy following up with everybody else and (laughs) making things happen. (laughs) I I know you did. You did. You're relentless. I love it. Uh, (laughs) Jordan Diorio, folks, uh, JDP consult, uh, and men, men's jewelry too. We'll throw yes. men, throw that in there as well. Uh, f- uh for those that are jewelry lovers that might want to check that out as well. Jo- yes. uh, Jordan, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Hey folks, just a quick reminder. If you, you've heard a fantastic story here from Jordan and here's what I would really appreciate. If you've heard something here that makes you want to share the show or even if it doesn't share the show, <laughs> that's what that's how we amplify the voice of businesses, business owners, entrepreneurs like Jordan. Um, that's why we're here. So we need your help to do that, though. So if you could h- share the show with those that you think ought to hear it uh, and may be, benefit from hearing Jordan's story, we would greatly appreciate it. Just go to your favorite podcast app, search Minneapolis St. Paul Business Radio. You'll find us on on any of the major podcast apps. So for my guest, Jordan Diorio, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Minneapolis St. Paul Business Radio.